When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio, which is presented to you by Progressive, but no Ian Fitzsimmons tonight. You get Marcel Louis-Jacques instead. He covers the Dolphins here for us at ESPN, and he's been so kind to hang out with me tonight. You can find me at Amber W Sports. You can find him at... Help me out, Marcel. I'm trying to pull it up on Twitter as or X or whatever it is. It is okay. Marcel. It's at Marcel underscore LJ, M-A-R-C-E-L underscore LJ. Okay, there you go. You did it better than I could have done it anyways. I do follow you, just to be clear. I just didn't have your, you know. We don't always know. Your you handle know, you off the top of your head, you know. Him, then he told you his Twitter <laughs> no, no, no. handle. Yeah. No, no, no. Followed him before, because he gives me all the Dolphins info, James. So I followed Marcel for a very, very long time. He's very important people to us who are in Dolphins Nation. Amber and Ian's presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. So since Marcel's here, since I'm here, we're talking about the Miami Dolphins. And a couple things happened for the Dolphins today that made news. They traded with the Chicago Bears for Chase Claypool. Now, they basically gave up nothing. They swapped, uh, what, a sixth and seventh rounder, was it? Or fifth and sixth rounder? Sixth and seventh rounder with the Bears. And they take on Claypool. The Bears save a little bit of money. Basically, the Bears get to maybe get richer by subtraction here, not just financially in terms of the salary cap, but really just in terms of the drama surrounding Chase Claypool. The Dolphins get to take a flyer on a guy who's only 25 years old, who's got incredible speed, athleticism, size, and may or may not have the work ethic to play in the National Football League. So TBD (laughs) on that front. So that is nugget number one. The other piece of news that we got is that the Dolphins placed left tackle Teron Armstead on IR. The team officially announced it today. I actually want to start with that because we talked a little bit about Claypool earlier in the show. And if you missed any of that, please check out the podcast on the ESPN app. But Teron Armstead, when he plays, he's great. It feels like he never plays and it feels like he's another healthy Marcel. And the problem is that the Dolphins need him because this O-line is different when Teron Armstead is part of it. Yeah, they do. That's kind of like the the precedent that Armstead has set over the past several years. When he's on the field, you're going to get high-caliber left tackle play. He was a pro bowler last year despite missing four games. The problem is he's going to miss at least four games, and right now he's going to miss at least six at best considering that he's got – excuse me, he's got to miss at least the next four being on injured reserve. It's tough, especially for a a Dolphins offensive line that has looked a lot more uh, cohesive – than it did last year. It seemed like there was constant shuffling because of various injuries to Armstead, to Liam Eichenberg, to uh, Austin Jackson. And, and it felt like, okay, now they, they've got at least four of the five in place right now. Uh, and then Armstead, of, of course, this is kind of a tough move. But Kendall Lamb, who is their, their primary swing tackle right now, a guy who can play either right tackle or left, he's been solid at left tackle in, in his place. He wasn't very good last Sunday, but nobody was against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I think this is a, you know, I say a get-right game, but if the Giants do any have anything that stands out, 
It is their overall size on the defensive line, particularly when it comes to big Dexter Lawrence, about 6'4", 6'5", 340 pounds of him. And Leonard Williams, the the former New York Jet first round pick out of USC, like there's a talented there's talent on the defensive line. So it's not like this is a total cakewalk for them coming up on Sunday. No, but they're going to have to do it without Armstead. And it, that uh, that O line, you're right, it has looked much improved. I think the reason that you started to go the minimum six games is because Armstead missed the first couple games of the season. Then he comes back. He's there for the shellacking of the Denver Broncos. And now he's going to miss at least four games. So he will be gone for at least six games total this season. And that's just the start of it. Maybe he will end up missing more. Raptor on Armstead and bubble wrap. Because boy, do we need that man (laughs) for the postseason. When he's out there, he's still great in the snippets that he can give you. But you just can't rely on him. And as a Dolphins fan, it's disconcerting. Because also, not only do we know about the woes of the O, line that's a story that goes back decades far before your time Marcel with the Miami (laughs) Dolphins it is quite literally a story that goes back decades for the Dolphins not having good O-line play but also of course the health of quarterback Tua Tungvaloa who's playing at an MVP level this season that's indisputable quite literally nobody can argue that right now and it all comes down to his health we've always said that and so you are concerned about his protection in front of him so that's a big concern for the Dolphins Chase Claypool in my opinion ain't a concern they gave up nothing for him and why not I understand that you're bringing in a guy that now has a bad reputation across the league you're bringing him into your locker room but it's a solid locker room and if he doesn't fit in there then you're going to end up just moving on from him and maybe Chase Claypool's career will find itself not in the place at all that it thought it was going to be because at 25 years old Chase Claypool with all the promise he had should not have been on three different teams in the last year. Like, that is his own doing. That has a lot to do with attitude and work ethic and everything else. Maybe this change of scenery will change all of that. Head coach Mike McDaniels of the Miami Dolphins certainly hopes so. Here is McDaniels on why he traded for Claypool. They all set aside size. What, what else stood out to you and Chris? Um, you, guys, you guys want me to say it, don't you? Yeah, he's fast. That's cool. That's it. He said it. He said the thing we wanted him to say because he is the fastest guy in the league. I mean, he, I mean, not the fastest guy in the league. This is the fastest wide receiver room in the oh, league. Yeah. And now you have another dude who's, you said his 40 time earlier, just unbelievable there in, in McDaniel's offense. You know, it's kind of funny because Tyree Kill was just talking about, you know, the overall team speed. Who's the fastest guy on the team? He said himself first, of course, but... You know, there's some other there's some guys who are in the competition with whether it's fellow wide receiver uh, Jalen Waddle, Robbie Chosen is lightning fast. Devon Achan, the star rookie running back, is a sub four four guy. Uh, there's one more name I think I, I'm actually forgetting. Raheem Mostert, another running back. You never guess who is second place. He says it is undrafted free agent Ethan Bonner. And shout out to you if you know who Ethan Bonner is. But Tyreek Hill says that guy. The corner out of Stanford, currently on the Dolphins practice squad, is the second fastest player on the team. I'll let everybody Google Ethan Bonner, just in case you don't know who he is. You might not hear his name again this season, but if he does get on the field, don't be surprised. Don't blink, because he might pass you by. But no, the flyer on Chase Claypool, it, it makes it just makes total sense. They essentially were paid to take him. They, they parted ways with a six-round pick in next year's draft. Not this coming, next year's draft. And they get a seventh in return. You're throwing darts at a wall anyways at that point in the draft. So 
I mean, by all means, they've, they've hit gold in the seventh round before with, with Skylar Thompson, the, their, their backup, backup quarterback right now started a few games from as a rookie last year. But Claypool, he offers something that they have an abundance of, which is speed and something they have nothing of, which is size in that room. Six, four, 240 pounds. Like the, the, the guy is a short yardage, short area and red zone, you know, monster if he chooses to be. This uh, is he, a it, it's a oh sorry this this is a complex offense to learn. Right. Especially for wide receivers there's a lot of movement involved there's a lot of moving parts that you have to you have to be aware of and then arguably most important you have to be willing to block. Tyreek Hill blocks in this offense. And if Tyreek Hill is blocking, you damn sure better block Chase Claypool. And that's been an issue with Chase Claypool, at least during his tenure in Chicago. It seemed like he didn't want to block, and it seemed like he didn't want to run the routes that he wasn't going to be targeted on. He ain't going to be targeted. I mean, he's not going to be the number one. He's not going to be the number two. He'll be lucky to be the number three. I mean, it's just how it's going to go. Not that two is never going to target him, but he ain't going to be the first check down or the second check down. He's going to have to wait for those opportunities and for those reps. And if he ain't out there helping that offense and creating distraction and running the routes that he's given, even on the plays he's not going to be targeted, then he's not going to be part of Mike McDaniel's offense. We know that. By the way, Ethan Bonner, his 40, 4.39 seconds out of Stanford for the DB that Tyreek Hill says is the second fastest guy on that team. I'm a diehard Miami Dolphins fan. I couldn't have told you that. <laughs> like who? If you'd been I, I like, who's Ethan people, Bonner? Let's say, like practice squad guy. You right. know, uh, yeah. they're pretty good at cornerback right now. They're pretty deep at cornerback right mm-hmm. now. He might not get that call up, but I'll tell you what, he he can offer you a whole lot of looks just with that speed alone playing on the practice squad. So you know, everybody's got a purpose. Everybody certainly has a purpose. We heard uh, from Wink Martindale saying that, you know, he has nightmares, essentially. He he wakes up like every two hours game planning for the speed on this Miami Dolphins offense. It was funny sound out of the, the Giants, D.C. I mean, he was essentially saying, well, I you know, I wake up every couple. I can't sleep because of the speed. It was funny sound, but it's true. Like the speed that the Dolphins have, the way that McDaniel does it with these guys coming off of the line where they're already in motion, so the speed's already there. So they're already at top speed before you can even hope to catch up to them. It's remarkable. We'll see how Chase Claypool fits into that. He certainly has got the goods to fit into that. We'll see if he wants to, if he's got the work ethic, the things that only he can control to fit into that thing. If he wants to, then this could be a heck of a resurgence for his career in the NFL. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian with Marcel Louis-Jacques filling in for Ian tonight. We'll find out what's a big deal and what's not a big deal. ESPN Radio is on the ESPN app. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. 
Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Tune in for college football action tomorrow night as the as Minnesota hosts Michigan, presented by Dr. Pepper. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. What am I listening to? Paranoid it's throwing off my read, left. James. Come on. This is this is Lincoln Park. Come on. It's what? It's Lincoln Park. Oh. It's paper cut. Hybrid really? theory, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, absolutely. This is y'all's jam, huh? It's one of them. This is a, uh, you can listen to it from the first song the whole way to the end. No, I can't no even skips. Li- I, I'm, We're like 20 <laughs> no seconds skips. in and I can't even think right now. That's the point. That's I, I, workout music right there. I don't know how you work out to Matchbox 20. Okay, I will say oh, that. Harry, Harry Black, our AP tonight, he did reveal that he works out to Matchbox 20 after he revealed that Matchbox 20 is one of his favorite bands. And I will say, as much as I do not like Linkin Park and I would prefer to listen to Matchbox 20 genuinely, generally, I would absolutely work out to Linkin Park before I would work out to Matchbox 20. I don't really have a... Re- a refute to that, except, um, hey man, you put on some how far we've come, some 3 a.m. gets the blood flow, and that's all no, I can it, say. No, it doesn't. It makes you like <laughs> no, sit down and cry. It definitely does not make me want to like lift weights or throw things around. I think Lincoln Park would, would maybe accomplish that goal a little bit more, but uh, not when I'm doing a radio show, uh, James Steele. Marcel Louis-Jacques, he is filling in for Ian tonight. Find him at Marcel underscore LJ. Find me as well at Amber W. Sports. Let's big deal, not a big deal. It's making headlines. Extra, extra, read all about it. But is it a big deal or not a big deal with Amber and Ian? And James Steele. You don't actually need to wait for You're me to introduce you. Right? But I introduced yeah. you earlier in the show. That's You've fine. talked like 400 times on the show. That's fine. You say your name like three or four <laughs> times every segment. That's yeah, because the boss people, is telling me reset, 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 reset. Nobody knows who I am. I'm a nobody. All right. So after the Commanders' 20 point loss to the Bears last night on Thursday Night Football, uh, one of their owners, Magic Johnson, tweeted, quote, Tonight, the Commanders played with no intensity or fire. We didn't compete in the first half. Got down 27-3 to heading into halftime. It was too big of a hole to climb out of, and that is why we ended up losing 40-20. to All right. Aside from him just recapping the game there, him, say, him saying that the Commanders played with no intensity or fire, Marcel, is that a big deal or not a big deal? I mean, it's a big deal because it's like a graduation from his normal John Madden-esque recaps of tweets. The Commanders lost X score to X score. They had this many yards. Thank you, Magic. We also can read the box score. Uh, No, it's not that big of a deal. I'm I'm happy that he pays attention to the games, but uh, I I, I don't think that – I don't think he's particularly – I don't think his voice carries that much weight in the building. I think he's a minority partner. It's not like he is going to be the final end-all, be-all in terms of hiring and firing decisions out there. Here's why it's a big deal. Because you can do entire sports radio segments on Magic Johnson tweets. Because like you guys just said, they are famous for being just recaps of factual information that anybody can look up. However, this one is a big deal because he did things like they played with no intensity like that that's a straight-up opinion from magic johnson 
And that's a big opinion. Like, that's Magic Johnson frustrated about this team. They didn't play with intensity. They didn't play with fire. They didn't compete in the first half. They got down too far to crawl out of. Those are fighting words from Magic Johnson. He's mad. And because he's mad, it's a big deal, James. All right, up next, it seems like Cooper Cup is going to play this week. He was put on the pup list in the preseason, uh, still recovering from a knee injury from last year. Amber, big deal, not a big deal. Cooper Cup back for the Rams. Yeah, I feel like that's actually a big deal. I feel like it's a big deal because, first of all, the Rams don't seem nearly as trash as I thought for some reason the Rams were going to be this season. And we know how good Cooper Cup is, and we know what he means to that team. So for Los Angeles, I feel like having Cooper Cup back, having your best receiver back when you're sitting at 2-2 two and two in that division, and you actually look like you might have some promise there, and Matthew Stafford may not actually be past his prime yet. Yeah, it's a big deal. No, definitely a big deal. And I'm very curious to see how big a deal this is for Puka Nakua owners in fantasy football. Since Cooper Cup, I don't care how good you are, how good of a rookie season you're off to a start of, you're not just not going to give Cooper Cup the ball in that offense. This offense is tailored around him at wide receiver. Uh, Rams, like you said, a lot better than I think a lot of people gave them credit for. Uh, One of the most talent-devoid rosters in the NFL uh, in terms of just star power and depth. I'm interested to see how far this can go. The NFC is pretty top-heavy. They could sneak in at the back half on just the strength of their offensive loan, and any defense with Aaron Donald deserves your respect. So, yeah, it, I think it's a pretty big deal. All right, the NBA's reigning MVP, Philadelphia 76ers star Joel Embiid, has committed to play for Team USA at the 2024 Paris Olympics. Embiid informed Team USA Executive Director Grant Hill of his decision Thursday morning. Sources said just days after the two quietly met for close to an hour in Fort Collins, Colorado, where the Sixers are holding training camp. And being said Thursday, then he also was in contact with representatives from the French national team, but ultimately decided on Team USA after meeting with Hill. Marcel, big deal, not a big deal, that uh, Embiid will be uh, playing for Team USA in the Paris Olympics. It's about a seven foot two, three hundred and forty pound deal. It's massive, James. Like it's huge. He's already and also doing the most American thing possible, which is finding your best chance to win and joining it, no matter how much the, the it stacks the cards against the rest of the competition. This is like the redeem team three four point So we're talking LeBron, we're talking Embiid, we're talking Steph. If they if Team USA doesn't come home with a medal, then just don't enter in any more international competitions because that's embarrassing. I don't care how far the rest of the world has come. If you have three of the best players in the NBA, I mean absolute top tier elite players in the NBA playing for Team USA, come on. It's always fun to beat the French. So we beat the French because we got Joel Embiid instead of him going to the French national team. But it's a big deal. It's a big deal, James, because Joel Embiid is obviously a very big deal. He's an excellent player, and he's going to be a really important addition to this team in every way. He's from Cameroon. This is not a decision he had to make. He's not American by birth. And yet here he is playing for Team USA. And what kind of jerk would I be if I said something rega- rega- regarding Team USA wasn't a big deal, James? I mean, USA. 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 Um, USA. Okay, so uh, this could be LeBron's last ride in the Olympics. Uh, I, um, so Bean is going to play for Team USA. I believe Kevin Durant has also uh, said he was going to play um, in the 2024 Olympics for Team USA. Speaking of Kevin Durant, 
He's going by a different set of initials now. The NBA superstar played a key role in Drake's highly anticipated album for All the Dogs, serving as A&R for the project. Drake dropped his eighth studio album early Friday morning, and as it turns out, Kevin Durant was involved in bringing it to fruition. The Phoenix Suns uh, forward is listed on the credits as A&R, short for Artists and Repertoire, a position that's held by someone who helps put the album together, Amber. Big deal, not a big deal that KD is dabbling in uh, music and helping out Drake here. I, I, I don't, I guess not a big deal because I listen, don't I know exactly. it's no Lincoln Park or Matchbox 20, but, you know. No, listen, Drake, Drake is a big deal good. and Kevin Durant is a big deal. I'm just not sure Sure, if musically this pairing is a big deal. <laughs> I don't feel like Drake needed KD in terms of music unless there was something I was missing, Marcel. I don't know, he needed something because that album is mid. I've only listened to Ooh. it about a time and a half through, but... Is way too many songs, and if I'm being honest, I haven't liked a Drake album since Nothing Was the Same. He's not like a, he's a, one of my oh, favorite you're a artists. I'm not a hater. I just I don't want to listen to a Drake album. Wow. I don't okay. Think I well, I do. To full 35 songs. I do want to listen to a Drake album. Have you listened I, to this one? I just I have not listened to all of this other than what Alan Yates feeds <laughs> me all over his gram because that man is obsessed with Drake. If you know who he is, here at ESPN Radio. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian with Marcel Louis Jacques, we'll get you ready for the divisional round of the MLB postseason. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Amber and Ian, Marcel Louis-Jacques filling in for Ian tonight. ESPN Radio presented to you by Progressive Insurance. The road to the World Series goes through ESPN Radio. Catch all the postseason action on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Let's talk about that road to the World Series. Buster Olney, ESPN Baseball Insider, joining us here on Amber and Ian. And Buster, as always, thanks for your time. Let's start with what happened in the wild card round. All sweeps. Were you surprised that it was over so quick? I don't know. I'm becoming less surprised about the way the team is reacting to wildcard round because now, Amber, we've got two years of sample size. We've had eight wildcard series and seven have ended in sweeps. So it's almost like that there's this special pressure that develops uh, and, you know, teams are not responding to it. It's really kind of amazing where even in the, uh, you know, in the Philadelphia and Marlins series, which I covered, you got the sense that if the Phillies got a lead at any point, that uh, that the Marlins were just going to go away. And I don't know if it's because, you know, it's a best of three. I don't know if it's because, you know, the, the crowd in Philadelphia, uh, maybe the crowds in October. I'm not sure exactly what it is, 
but it does feel like the team's just absolutely been folding up once they fall behind in these series. Now, Buster, sticking with that that wild card, did any matchup maybe take you by more surprise than the other, whether it was Texas going into the in, in, into Tampa and uh, outscoring them eleven to one, or Minnesota completely shutting down Toronto? Which one of these matchups maybe made you a double take? I think the Minnesota victory uh, over Toronto was really eye opening because of the play of Carlos Correa. Uh, who, as you guys know, he missed like the last 10 days of the regular season, plantar fasciitis, he wasn't moving that well, he didn't have a very good year. And once that playoff began, it's like Carlos Correa you know, went from, uh, you know, jumped out of the phone booth and he went from being Clark Kent to Superman. You know, I think he's the closest thing that his generation has seen you know, to, uh, to a Reggie Jackson, to a Derek Jeter, in that he just seemed so comfortable on the big stage. And, you know, he led the, the Twins through the Blue Jays. And if the Twins are going to beat the Astros, his former team, Carlos Correa is going to be right in the middle of it. Buster Olney, ESPN Baseball Insider, joining us here on Amber and Ian with Marcel Louis-Jacques filling in for Ian tonight. So it's been brooms all the way so far. Is that a trend that we could still see here into the ALDS and into the NLDS? Or do you think that we are going to be headed for a couple do-or-die game fives? I do think we're going to get to that point. Uh, you know, in part because the you know the depth of all these pitching staffs of the teams that advanced out of the wild card, they're going to be tested now. You know, the, the Phillies are not going to be able to line up Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola against the Braves. Um, and so the longer series, I think it makes it more likely that they're going to be competitive. And in particular, that Braves-Phillies series, I, I think it's the best series we're going to see in this postseason. You know, to me, this is Ali versus Frazier. These are two great teams, arguably the two best teams in baseball right now going against each other. You know, the Braves, who had the, were clearly the best team in the regular season against the Phillies, who, and I, as I mentioned, I covered that series. I walked away from that saying, you know, any team is going to be hard-pressed to beat that Phillies team given how motivated they are, how well they're playing, and how, generally speaking, their pitching is much healthier than it was a year ago. Buster, there's a pair of teams in the playoffs right now that each lost more than 100 games within the past three years, and that's Arizona and Baltimore. Would we consider them maybe a little ahead of schedule at this point, or are things happening exactly as they should be considering what they wanted to do with this rebuild? Yeah, I think they're both ahead of schedule, Marcel. And look, I also think we gotta we got to remember, I mean, both of these ownerships for a period of two or three years, they tanked. <laughs> so it wasn't like a shocking uh, a case where they found some secret sauce with their development. They actually started trying, uh, you know. And, and so, and that's what can happen when you don't design your teams to try to lose. Uh, when you actually take on a little bit of payroll, and these players have, you know, just gotten better and better and better. Whether it's Adley Rutschman, who right now is arguably the best catcher in baseball, you know, Corbin Carroll who's going to be the National League Rookie of the Year this year, the Diamondbacks, such a huge impact. You know, those guys have uh, immediately become impact guys at such a young age. Uh, and you give credit to the player development people, to the coaching staff, to the major league teams to help these guys get better once they reach the big leagues. 
Buster Olney, ESPN Baseball Insider, joining us here on Amber and Ian. So Philly Bra- Philly's Braves is obviously the big matchup and the easy one to circle. But give me a matchup that we should be talking more about, Buster, or a storyline that we should be talking more about that we're not talking about enough. Yeah, so I love uh, the Astros uh, series that they're going to be playing against the Twins because the Astros, of course, are trying to become the first team since the 98 to 2000 Yankees. And the Astros, you know, slogged along during the regular season. And I talked to some of the Astros players about how this year's Houston team reminded me so much of those Yankees teams in that, which I covered. And in 2000, 2001, the regular season for those Yankees teams got boring. And Paul O'Neill and Mike Stanton, guys who were on that team, you know, acknowledged to me when I talked to them a couple weeks ago, yeah, it got tough. Like, it felt like that, you know, the, the games they're playing in May and, and June just didn't carry as much meaning when they were used to playing in October. And then once October hit, once they reached the postseason, all of a sudden they became a very different team. I think that's what you're going to see in the Astros. Part of the reason why I picked them to come out of the American League in the playoffs. <laughs> well, it's funny. I, you know, I had a, someone in the Mets organization uh, said to me yesterday, yeah, it's the Mets just met, you know, doing the Mets. I mean, that's what they do. It always seems like there's constant dysfunction. I do think there are better days ahead uh, for the organization in terms of getting past all that. And I think they took strides the last couple of years. You know, Steve Cohen clearly wanted to try to win. He spent a lot of money. uh, But when he hired David Stearns, huge contract, eight-figured salary per year, you know, five-year deal, he gave him, uh, I think, uh, you know, he honored uh, his request that he get the opportunity to pick his manager, that's how Buck Showalter got fired. I don't think the Mets handled that great, but you understand why Stearns got that, uh, you know, got that carte blanche. And in Billy Epler's case, it's very interesting. I had conversations with Billy about the fact that the Mets were probably going to bring it ahead of baseball operations. I think Billy was comfortable with that. I think David Stearns, you know, the, the, the plan was that that's what was going to happen. My read on it is that they're using this whole excuse, this investigation of, you know, supposedly the Mets using a phantom injured list, uh, you know, and, and finding a violation in that as an excuse for David Stearns to get rid of Billy Epler. So as Billy said in his statement yesterday, David Stearns can just have a clean slate because you guys know just as well as I do, the phantom injured list is, is ubiquitous within baseball. That's like grabbing someone for going 57 in a 55 zone on the highway. It sure is. Buster Olney, ESPN Baseball Insider. The Mets are a mess still, but hopefully all of these other teams will give us something to watch, something a little bit more exciting than maybe the wild card round gave us. Thanks, Buster. Thanks, guys. Marcel Louis-Jacques filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight. The thing that we didn't get to there with Buster, Marcel, because we are up against it, is that... The Tampa Bay Rays and their attendance problems here in the wild card round. Their wild card opener drew 19,704 fans. That was the lowest since 1919. The next game, not much better there with the Tampa Bay Rays fans. And there's been a lot of people taking shots at the Rays. And I've heard conversations like I heard Evan Cohen on our air on Unsportsmanline talking about how Tampa doesn't deserve a baseball team and – 
I can tell you as somebody who lives in that area, and I'm a Marlins fan, not a Rays fan, but I live in the Tampa Bay area now. If you've been to the Trop, you know it is a truly terrible place. And I will say, and yes, it's postseason baseball, and I get it. And Northeasterners are going to be like, it doesn't matter if they were playing in a cow field. I'm going to go watch my Phillies, you know, and that's the attitude. But when over the years you don't give the fans reasons to show up because the fan experience is so bad at a certain point, they probably ain't showing up for a team that they don't have much hope is going to get past the wild card round this season. No, and which is crazy because like this team actually they played really well at home. They I think they had the best home record in the MLB. They had the best run differential in, in the American League. They had the I think the second most runs scored in the American League. They, by all for all intents and purposes, this was a good team, nine to nine win team, and they can't. And crack they've been 15, a good. They've been they a good franchise. They've yeah, been good. and they can't crack uh, one point five million in attendance. Matter of fact, they haven't surpassed two million since their inaugural season there in, in 1998. So when you hear like harebrained schemes, like we heard a few years ago of, of this team splitting time between uh, Tampa and Montreal, I thought it was perfect. I thought it was it was so indica- or indicative of the city that they live in, a snowbird central city. So yeah, of course they should, the Rays should fly north for the winter or south for the winter and split their time like that. Like, I, I think that it, it would be, it would be a good idea, but like, I, what what confuses me here is I believe their their plans in the works or it's already broken ground on the new stadium. Yeah, so they have a one point three billion dollar stadium. So the Rays and Rays ownership are committed to staying in what's not actually Tampa, but what's St. Petersburg. People don't realize. And that's all part of this. People don't realize where Tropicana is located. Like, they, they do not understand what it's like getting in and out of there. Like, they, they don't know the, the, the area and the experience. It's not in the best location no. for a baseball team to be located, right? There's, there's a lot of issues there. There's not much around there. The you area take is those sprawling. bridges, too, right? Right. Well, and that's like for me, it's closer. Like to me, for me, where I live, getting to a baseball game is actually not much of a problem. But I'm I'm south in Sarasota and I'm not And the way that the region is, is a lot of these Rays fans aren't necessarily there in close proximity within 30 minutes of the stadium. So that's part of it. And I know that that's not a story that's exclusive by any means to this team. So I'm not suggesting that that's an excuse, but that's all part of it. It's a little bit curious that they're going to spend $1.3 billion, And we'll see, because certainly that will improve the fan experience, except for it's going to be in the same place. <laughs> exactly. And a new stadium does not just automatically mean new fan support. You can ask Mi- Miami, right? You can, you can ask, ask Miami. You can ask the Marlins. And the sad thing is, and the sad thing is with the Marlins, who are, who are also dealing with a similar you know attendance issue despite a good team this year, uh, it's not like there's no baseball fans here. You remember the World Baseball Classic? Oh, unbelievable Park, atmosphere. Greatest it atmosphere. It was packed. Just People unreal. loved it. So like, it's a team problem. It's a them issue. It is a them issue. And uh, so throwing money at this problem and saying, see, we're committed to being here. Like, if I was them, I'm like, you guys aren't committed to us. Why am I going to commit to you? Here's I can go how- to Montreal and sell out every single game like clockwork. 
Right. But I have a different, see, I have a different feeling on this than you do because you're from California, right? And you're not, you've only been in Florida for as long as you've been covering the Miami Dolphins, I believe, right? I know you were in Buffalo covering the Bills before that. I'm a Floridian, right? Born and raised, been in Florida my entire life. And I know that Florida is a unique state and baseball doesn't do so well there with the Rays and the Marlins. We have problems with attendance, even not the years that the Marlins are winning the World Series, right? But then after that, immediately, Part of that's the treatment of the franchise for the fans. With the Rays, it's not the product on the field. It's the experience surrounding it. With the Marlins, it's, it's the product on the field. has been it's just right. a mess for so Correct. many years. That adds into this. Also, it's Florida, though. It's a transient community. I grew up in the Tampa Bay area, but the Rays didn't become a team until 1998. Like I didn't grow up a Tampa Bay Rays fan. They didn't even exist. Baseball didn't exist in my life when I was growing up as a kid. And so you have to find a way to capture the attention of those Floridians because a lot of Floridians are coming down from New York, right? And Philadelphia. And it's like all of Northeast is moving down or Michigan, right? And they're all moving down to Florida. They all have their allegiances already. And they're not just becoming Rays fans automatically. So you've got to find ways. It's the same thing with Miami, a very transient community where very few people are actually from Miami. And generationally speaking, it's an oddity to be a Floridian and then go back many generations. Like I'm a seventh generation Floridian. I've never met another one. Like that's how rare it is. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian. We're going to continue to get you ready for week five of the NFL season. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Simone Biles now has 34 medals across the world championships and the Olympics. That is more than any other gymnast in the entire history of the sports. That is, that's what you call domination. Marcel Louis Jacques filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight. She's ridiculous. Uh, So big ups to her for for representing in every single way. The Road to the World Series goes through ESPN Radio. You can catch all the postseason action on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. We are headed into week five, well, I guess technically with a Thursday night game. We are in week five of the NFL season, but we've got a big Sunday ahead of us. Let's play some more Got One. Amber Indian Got One. James Steele, really? You're waiting again yeah, to be introduced? To, yes. You have to do that. Every time. Every you, time I've got to introduce you. supposed to host a radio show. Welcome to radio. All right. Let's start with the Chiefs, who are three and a half point favorites over Shots fired. the Vikings on the road. <laughs> Marcel, you got one. Chiefs Vikings. <laughs> This is a no-brainer. Give me the Chiefs. Uh, the Vikings might be the most disappointing team in the NFL. I know we mentioned the the Jags possibly taking that mantle, but considering the Vikings were what a twelve-win, thirteen-win team a season ago and didn't have a whole lot of change, you know, apart from Dalvin Cook leaving uh, or them cutting him. It, they, there's no reason why this team should be, you know, one and three right now. But they're going to be one and four because this is the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, the whole Kelsey, Kel Swift, Swift C. I don't know if that has a cute <laughs> nickname yet, but that circus is coming to town. Uh, I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings because right now I I don't like James Seal. So that's really the only reason (laughs) coming off of that shot at me. And how you like me now, James, this is what you get. I'm going with the Vikings. They're going to shock us all because even though they've been terrible so far this season, their quarterback... 
Somehow sitting at one and three is anything but terrible so far this season. Kirk Cousins has been great. He's thrown for over 1,200 yards already, 11 tutties, four interceptions. He's been very surprisingly good, and yet the Vikings haven't been at all whatsoever. And I'm not suggesting that the Vikings are better than the Kansas City Chiefs, but in this matchup, the, they're going to shock the world, James, mostly because you were just mean to me, and that's how karma works. All right, well, I got my uh, top hour ready for Monday. So there we go. <laughs> Faded me into that one. <laughs> See, this is what happens. All right, so let's go with the Dolphins and the Giants. The Dolphins are 12.5-point favorites. 12.5-point wow. favorites over the Giants <laughs> at home. You got one, Amber. Wow. Uh, well, you know I'm not picking against my Miami Dolphins. And also, they're playing the New York Giants, so I've got zero reason to pick against the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are coming off of, you know, the high of the Broncos and then the low of the loss there to the Bills. And I think that this is going to be a bit of a bounce back here against this New York Giants defense. There's no reason to believe that the Dolphins aren't going to be able to cut up this defense with all of that speed that we know the Dolphins have. It's why Wink Martindale has said that he's having nightmares essentially right now is what he joked about and alluded to trouble sleeping because of the speed on this Dolphins offense. He was joking, but it also had an element of, I just don't have the weapons. Like, I don't have the talent to keep up with what they're doing there. How do you defend that with that level of speed? The truth is, Buffalo has the the, the personnel to try to figure out how to maintain that. The New York Giants, they do not, Marcel. No, I'm going. I'm going Miami Dolphins. Absolutely not. And we've heard, you know, Dolphins coaches and players say, you know, this is not a get right game. They're not looking at it like that. They have more respect for their opponent than that. But let's not get it twisted. This is a get right game. Right. They're 11 and a half point favorites at home. I think they dropped. I mean, obviously they dropped 70 against Denver. I wouldn't expect that again, but I'm at a point where if they don't put up at least 40, that this is somewhat of a disappointing game. It's a blow-up spot. It's a team and an opponent that does not match up on either side of the ball. This is a game the Dolphins should absolutely win. And they got another one coming up next week against the Carolina Panthers. So, you know, that that loss to the Buffalo Bills last week, while humbling, ultimately is not going to derail this season. I think that it's a good loss. That's what we call a good loss. One of those losses that gets you back on track. Saquon also questionable for this game with the ankle injury. Big problems for New York. All right, talk yourself into it. Uh, the Eagles are four and a half point favorites over the Rams on the road. Amber, you got one. Oh, and Cooper Cup, you told us, might be coming back for this game. Should I anger Philadelphia? He will, he will play unless there's a setback. He will play unless there's a setback. Should I get crazy and anger Philadelphia they and go Rams already. here? They, I mean, they just, they dislike me so much. I'm tempted to. You know, the weird thing about this Eagles team, Marcel, is I just, like, uh, yes, they're sitting at 4-0, and I just have not been that impressed by them so far. It feels like, to me, they've been skating by with these wins. Let's get crazy. I'll take the Rams. I'm not that bold. I think the Eagles are still the second best team in the NFC behind the best team in the NFL in the 49ers. I expect them to hit 5-0 and here against the Rams, even with Cooper Cup back in the lineup. I'm just feeling saucy this week. That's what's happening here <laughs> in week five. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian with Marcel here filling in for Ian. Uh, we're going to do some stuff. I know that. That's what we're going to do.